take two men that happen to be cousins who share a common codependency on movies, put them in a room, and tell them to talk about anything film-related. The result? A corpulent cornucopia of cinematic scrutiny we call The Finleys on Film. What about, uh, yeah, I can put that on. So, um, it, what a band. God, by the way, I hate that fucking song. Do you really? Yeah, I don't like it. I, 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 I when it came out, like back in the 80s, I was not into the nostalgia that yeah. I think is required to really dig this song. That's shocking because you have at least some, I remember as a kid kind of having an inroad to this song because I understood the reference. You would know, I yeah no, I grant that, but at the same time, I was like, I'll just go watch the movie, you know. Like I was, I was <laughs> a little, just go watch a little the fucking movie. elitist about the whole thing. I gotta be, yeah, I gotta be honest, not my not my finest uh, opinion, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Key Largo, man, you know, I um I seen Key Largo many times. Mm-hmm. I had not seen him in probably ten years. Let's get rid of this fucking shit. Yeah, yeah. Um, I had I had not seen Key Largo in like ten years, and I have to say from the get go. It is a just a fantastic a movie, fucking dude. movie. <laughs> it just is top to bottom. Well, you know what it is. It's, there, it's, isn't like a, there isn't like a wasted movement in this fucking movie. Well, I used to think there was. That's the mm-hmm. thing. I used to I used to um, think it was a great movie that that had a, one serious flaw, which we can talk about in, oh, in okay. a bit. But but I, I've totally reversed myself. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I think I, I understand something more now than I used to, and I'm not sure what it's a function of. But but we're talking about 1948. Yep. Um, Key Largo, um, we're talking about the fourth and final pairing of Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall. Yes. Okay. So- and oddly enough, the most age-appropriate one, as far as I'm concerned. It's the <laughs> one that works the best. Well, she's, yeah. I mean, she's glorious and glowing, and he's looking more healthier than usual. I guess. Yeah, they're, they're pairing. I mean, yeah. She was 19 when they met on nineteen four. the first film, 1944's mm-hmm. To Have and Have Not, right? Yeah. And that was a, interesting. Like That's a film that... Uh, the screenplay was written by Faulkner, I, really? th- I believe. Yeah, I yeah. Thought it was a, I always thought that was a movie that didn't hold together real well. Uh, right? No, it doesn't really. It's it, not a great movie. It's a good movie if you're a Bogart fan, but it doesn't hold together. I think it's a perfect way to put it. Yeah. And and it's interesting that that Faulkner wrote it too. And some of these guys like Steinbeck and Faulkner, like Steinbeck with um, Hitchcock, Hitchcock's Lifeboat, which yeah. I like, but also has some holding together problems. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting um, that some of these. Um, writers didn't do that well when they tried to become screenwriters. Yeah. Dreiser was another one who was just a fucking miserable Did failure. Did Dreiser do that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He tried to do Fitz... Um, Theodore Dreiser, for you out there. Yeah, uh, uh, F. Scott Fitzgerald. Really? Yeah. Um, they... Um, I, I think the difference is they didn't grow up with it. Like, Faulkner really... Sorry, this is a little offbeat here, but Faulkner really liked how movies influenced writing. He mm. was a guy who said, what movies taught me was that you could go from one scene and just jump to another, and it wouldn't startle people. Oh, and, you know, that's yeah, sort of, that'd be a good lesson to learn. Absolutely. It just came that. along, you know. And the way sure. we were talking the other day about how, how podcasts might change the way we write, you know, whatever, nonfiction or even even fiction, right? Yeah. But it, it doesn't mean that he, he learned a lesson, but he wasn't necessarily good at it. But then you get someone like John Cheever. Now, that's a guy who, um, I don't know if you know this, John Cheever um, wrote initially for RKO Newsreels. Fuck off. No, really. And and when you read his short stories, it's like, oh, that makes sense. Just the essentials. The yeah. essential information. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like there's a guy where yeah, makes sense. Okay. movies have been around long enough. Anyway, I don't know why I'm talking about all that, but 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 to have and have not, yeah, because Lauren McCall on that one is, you know, it's the 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 best innuendo of all 
Time, you know how to whistle, don't you? Uh-huh. Just put your lips together and blow. Into my vagina. It's really what's implied. We, sort of. So I don't like to let the implied go by. Yeah. <laughs> Thinking it'll help it. Well, I don't know. I think it's a blowjob, not into my vagina. <laughs> okay, Wait, Tom, well, you are misdirected. <laughs> I think I love. I no, love the I just idea would rather picture her vagina says, than his penis. I'm sorry. Well, that's your loss, man. Yeah, yes. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> door number just two for you. Pee, just a squintiest <laughs> pee hole at the end. It's, it's got a lisp. <laughs> so, so anyway, yeah. I mean, in that one, she's clearly like just off the. I think she was a, a, a model yeah, in she New just York. Got her period, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Her uh, moon cycle, we like to call it. Um, um, but yeah, so 46, you have the big sleep. And then 47, you have a film we've reviewed and we both love a lot, which is Dark Passage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but you're right. This is the one where they most seem like they are actually a couple. There's something. Yeah, there's a, there's, there's, there's a genuine chemistry going on there. Although sure. what's really weird is that she was 23, that means. <laughs> mm-hmm. 23 years old. No, but yeah. the, aside from her 19-year-old looking self in You Know How to Whistle, Don't You, To Have and Have Not, yeah. I think every film she made after her first film, she looks like a fucking knockout 35-year-old. Yeah. yeah whether, whether she's 23 well, she or whether like she's it too, 55. That, it didn't hurt that she sounded like it, too. Well, she had guy, the raspy with voice. voice. yeah. Yeah. So, Five-pack-a-day habit voice. Oh, I think she was sexier than a woman with I a I think she was voice. born with it, man. Maybe. Maybe it's or Maybelline. Got, she got choked into it or something. Yeah, maybe. Well, anyway, so... Ah, uh, my dreams. So, uh, so the, and, then, and then it's one of those sort of like... Um, uh, Bogart's clearly got top billing... Oh yeah, of course. And Edward G. Robinson has second billing, mm-hmm. and then she has third billing. But they did this sort of one of those cute like across the board billings uh-huh. uh, for for the storyboard, right? So right, it's like right, right, right. no one's exactly on top of yeah, of yeah. the other, right? Yeah, but you know, but you know, you don't know. you, don't you, you know? Yeah. And it takes place in uh, of all places, Key Largo, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to go Key West. And but, the, uh, the Florida Keys. <laughs> um, yeah. Which is one of the weirdest like areas in the United States. That's yeah, have you been to that area? fucking interesting. No, I haven't been there. I want to go yep. there, but just like, you know, the history of them, like how many times they've tried to like sort of separatist off and become their own state and whatever. The, the Keys? The Keys, yeah. You mean you mean they the hate Florida. The Seminoles or, or the actual like the actual people of, the actual yeah. people or the real people of Florida. Yeah, the actual people <laughs> the, the, real, the real housewives of Florida. Yeah. No, it, you're not allowed to, no but like uh, so it's like you know how like like Mm-mm. some places will just have like this weird counterculture like yeah, thing sure. going on. Like this uh, you go to the backwoods of Hawaii City. and you got fucking and you got like, you know, hippie communes and things like that. Apparently mm-hmm. the Florida Keys is like just is rife with that kind of uh, sort of that kind of sort of like approach. Well, Florida outside of Miami is is a pretty bizarre. It is country, it is if you will. Place, yeah. yeah. Anyway, so so okay, so it's a, that's the setting, and it's important because the setting is not only in the title, but it's a it's a huge part of like how this film yeah, rolls along. Mm-hmm. Um, and speaking of rolling along, Mr. Lionel Barrymore is also in this oh, film. Oh man, lovable, lovable Lionel yeah. Barrymore. I mean, even even in fucking um, it's a wonderful life. He's yeah. sort of like curmudgeonly likable. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah, no, lovable. I think is probably the best way to describe it. Certainly at this point in his career. Yeah. I honestly got to be on. I have to be in all honesty. I don't know that I know much about his earlier career. So that might be something that at an earlier I've time... I've seen him standing in movies. I've seen him standing in a, in a couple of movies. <laughs> <laughs> the good old days. That's how far back he goes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyways, yeah, no, he was uh, yeah, just being his tremendous goddamn self. Okay, so... As always. Go ahead, The please. cast, this cast. Oh, sweet. Jay fucking Silverheels. Yeah. Tonto is in this. Yeah. Love it. 
Uh, Is that what you wanted to say? No, that's that's what you it. wanted to say. I really wanted this to get, cast. I really piece wanted of to trivia not forget me. that part. Certainly, <laughs> I, I love seeing him in anything I see him in. Well, uh, let's we'll talk more about these guys as they come up. But but the, but the premise is that is that um, Bogart's on a bus and yeah. he's he's headed down to to uh, Key Largo, Key Largo Hotel. Yep. Yeah, I was watching, I remember like how much this sort of resembled um, Black, uh, Bad Day at Black Rock in a sense. Um, but yeah. but I think that's more a function of time and place than it is. Any attempt to copy anything, it's the, the, they were at a time when people were coming home from the war. They're coming home from the war. Now, now Bogart's character has been, Steve has been sort of drifting for a couple of years. It's supposed to be in real time, right? So it's yeah. about two or three years after the war. He's been drifting around. And he's finally going to make it back to the widow and the father of uh, his fallen comrade. Yeah, one of his best friends. Uh, who, who, died at, who died at, at San, San Pietro, Pietro, right? Which is a Houston uh, <laughs> little callback there. A little Easter egg. egg. Um, gobble gobble. Okay, so so um, I, I like the the bad uh, day at Black Rock um, parallel. The difference being this: bad day at Black Rock had a genuine sort of menace to the town. Yes. Whereas Key Largo has a faux menace, which is yeah. to say, there's nothing menacing about Key Largo or the owners of Key Largo or the town. It's right. the guests themselves. Yes. Yeah. So it's sort of like two layers of guests, right? Yeah. There are guests who have been there, and then another, and then Bogart's the new guest, right? Right. And so he's going to visit uh, the, uh, the again the father and yep. the widow yep. of his buddy, yep. and they happen to own a hotel down on Key Largo. Hotel. So he goes down there to visit them and runs across the guest we've just mentioned. Right. Well, also, but there's there's lots of tension that, that sort of comes into play, and I like I like no how idea this... what it is at first. Well, no, no, no. I, I mean this. I mean even before he gets to his bus is pulled over, we're given to understand that some of the local like natives have escaped from jail. So oh, there's, yeah, there's yeah. like escaped Indians essentially. The, the two brothers. Right. One of whom is Jay Silverfields. Okay. Okay. Okay, got it. <laughs> we understand, Dom. Damn you, your eyes. you know this this piece of information. All and right. now everyone knows that you know it. Yay. Okay. So so um so there's that. So, so there's that sort of tension. And then him him sort of getting there mm-hmm. and and Lauren Bacall and Lionel Barrymore aren't there and so he runs into these guests who are staying there, or some of the guests who right. clearly don't want him there. Like yes. it's their hotel. And they they've rented it. Long there, like something they, odd about these fellas. Something off about the fellas. A little too soprano esque for the, uh, little for the area. Yes, they're yeah. all fat and sing. It's really weird. La 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 la. Remember that Bugs Bunny where he yeah. <laughs> takes the place of Leonard Bernstein? <laughs> yes, 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 yes. yes. This one, oh man, that's that, the scene at the beginning of that cartoon where he's just strumming his fucking banjo oh, off in the distance. He's a menace. Ah, bastard. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Wow, we are really no, off okay. road a lot no, today, no but problem. that's okay. Yeah, so, so I mean, it's, it's, it's so nicely, everything is so nicely written like a play. Yeah. I mean, it's just sort of like it's contained within this hotel. He gets there. Um, we meet these sort of like well, it was a play. characters. It was initially a play. I didn't play. even know that. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I could see how it was. And you know what? As I was watching it this time yeah. and knowing that it was a play, I was like thinking about how much fun it would have been to stage the play. Yeah. Because one of the things that happens during this movie is they're, they're, at, they're in Key Largo and this huge hurricane comes in yeah. and blows everything around and pushes in windows. And how fucking cool that would be to do that, to play that out on a stage. So that's that's the second bit yeah. of tension that, that precedes everything is like the storm morning yes and we understand it's that part of the country where people get washed away yeah right and 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 so you know he meets um some of these characters and he and he meets um gay dawn this woman who's a a drunkard who's betting on the horses listening to the radio and it's like the 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 radio the the horse race being announced on the radio the menacing guys who don't want him there who don't clearly have a problem with her as well she's drunk and therefore inviting Mm -hmm. to humphrey bogart who's there all of this before there's any interaction between like the main character 
characters yes. is so nicely developed, yeah, man. I mean, yeah. it's, it's a real piece of uh, Houstonian, if I may, I, direction. Honestly, I would say this might honestly be Houston, maybe at his best. Yeah, well, this it's I mean, interesting. Sierra Madre, maybe 40, 48 was his year, man. Yeah, right? Yeah, There's yeah, this in, just, in Sierra Madre. He's just on top. He is fucking fantastic. This is just a craftsmanly piece of work. Yeah. So, my, what I was going to say about my misconception earlier was that when I was younger and saw this, I saw. The first 20 minutes of this film, to me, dragged. And in a way, it does. But I understand why it does more now. Because what happens next is he meets Laura Bacall, and there's a lot of sort of hemming and hawing and sort of laying out the property yeah. and, 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 and looking at their situations and recounting the story of how he knew her husband back in San and Pietro. And there's almost an immediate little bit of attention between the two of them. That, a little bit. that heightens the whole scene. Mm-hmm. It's, it's well played. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so I, I think that I, I saw that it, it is, I would say it borders maybe for 10 minutes on slightly boring, but actually that that kind of 10 minute mm-hmm. drag out yeah. is adds to the tension. Oh yeah, I think so. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, so, so you were crazy before. I think I was just young. Um, I think it was just because I wanted okay. I wanted to get to the part where everything <laughs> starts to really sort of unravel. Well, that, okay, so that's the funny thing is if you know what's coming in this movie, yeah. waiting for the part is that's kind of half the joy. It's yeah. like a spicy little thing you know it's coming. Yeah. And fucking Edward G. Robinson makes what one of a kind appearance. Yeah. He just does. He's, yeah, him, yeah, yeah. He, him, you could just you could just hear his balls floating That's, in a he's in yeah. a tub <laughs> with, with bubbles all over the him. The fan sort just, of blowing on, reading a newspaper in a tub, smoking a cigar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So 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 what we come to understand is that uh, Edward G. Robinson is this sort of exiled gangster he's, from the Prohibition era. Yeah, he's basically Al Capone by way of uh, like uh, Lucky Luciano. Okay. So he's a, a Prohibition gangster who yep. was uh, kicked out of the country. Yeah, he's been living Ex- in Cuba or something. Extradited. Yeah, so he's living in Cuba. And, uh, and now he's now he wants to sort of get back into the America a little bit. And I guess, yep. you know, and he comes up and he's he's starting a smuggling operation. For he's Canada. got some sort of plan and we yeah. know that, but we don't we're not even sure what that is yet. But but he's there and 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 it's a problematic that the police are coming around again and they're coming around for the Indians. Yes. Right. <laughs> he's showing up for the Indians. But and they then... don't they don't none of them understand. They're, they say they're from Milwaukee, but they're straight out of. You know, what, New Jersey or Chicago yeah, or something, yeah, right? For sure. And so it's like this whole, you know, Florida is this sort of like foreign country to them, and they're like mm-hmm. talking about fishing and trying to like figure out how to stand around and do nothing in this yeah, Hickville, yeah, right? Like a bunch of flying fish out of water for sure. Yeah. Well, yeah well, what's he, don't, what are you giving me with a flying fish? What are you giving me with a flying fish? Oh. <laughs> oh. Uh-huh. <laughs> We're up the creek and you want to hook the paddle. So, um, what are you giving me? With okay. Okay. So, so, um, so now it becomes a little bit of like the, the old desperate hours scenario, which is to say, you know, um, uh, Edward G. Robinson and his hoodwink, uh, hoodlum, uh, hoodlum friends, sorry. Wow, hoodwinked. Hoodlum <laughs> and his hoodwinked hoodlum friends. Sorry, I'm not telling this very well. But you, I mean, I don't, I don't need to give away much. It's like a, it's a tight space. Yeah. And they're there. And, and now it's like, how, how, what what more needs to be played out? And this is where Houston and I, Houston co-wrote the screenplay too. Yeah, the the, the genius mm-hmm. of this is that the tension now should just be how are the good people going to get away from the bad people? Right. But it actually becomes much much more than that. Oh yeah, absolutely. The whole like the whole subplot about uh, about gay and uh, and uh, Bogart stepping up stepping up. 
and standing up for her? Well, no, but that's preceded by by the. Uh, it's part of this bigger tension, but the yeah. bigger tension is is was he really a war hero? Was he right? Correct. Because, yeah, because yeah, yeah. he was he a war hero? Was he a coward? And is he now? You know, like because he's unable. He's, he's got a practical approach, and he's unable to stand up to to Robinson in the way that that we'd expect him to as right. a war hero, right? right? Right. And he has a very cynical attitude. And is it a true cynicism? Of course, Bogart, like William Holden, like they they sort of specialized in mm. the the person the, who couldn't the, the actually wounded, actually be the, a cynic. The wounded idealist. They broke from this. Yeah, yeah, right, right. Yeah. And 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 so it's sort of like it has he actually become a cynic and and therefore has be, has gone back to cowardice or become a coward or right. is hiding in there is that true sort of like hero or is he just a person who's seen enough death he doesn't want to see any more let alone his own there's all there's the, yeah there's an ambiguity to what's going on with his character there and meanwhile it's very well played but he steps out okay go on. But, but, but okay and I'll, let me I'll let you tell that scene cuz it's it's probably the best scene of the whole movie <laughs> that you're is. talking about but but and then he has all the, the Edward G. Robinson, who has all all the goons around him are yeah. just cartoon characters, and they're there for our amusement as cartoon characters. Right. But he's Edward a, G. He's Robinson, an actual character, Edward G. Robinson himself actually has—I don't want to say like a, a depth or pain, but a little bit of depth in this sense. He really does want to get back to this person he was, right? And so, like, and you wonder how much of like his, you know, him being where he was in his career, yep. sort of played into that. Played into him being exiled, or played well, no, into because he playing a has been. He's he's, he's essentially a, a great actor, well past his you know past his prime. Playing oh, a oh, great, Robinson, yeah. Well, at this point, he he'd resigned himself in the forties to becoming like the like the character actor, yeah, like the second but at banana. The same right? time, you got to think back. Like I'm oh, just I thinking, know, he maybe bad. reached out and grabbed a little bit for the, this character because it yeah. plays so well. Well, because yeah, Bogart had taken taken over the role of these great sort of that he had done. That he had done it originally. You know, that's that's a, a great sort of point, a meta point, if you will, right? Yeah. But what I'm also getting back is the characters, the Rocco the criminal, but also Steve the war hero. There's a question of them getting back to who they were, or right. can they ever get back to who they were? I mean, mm-hmm. is is Bogart an actual war hero, or was that just a bluff that he carries around with him? Was Rocco big as enough? Big as he thought he was. Yeah, or and, could he and, even return to it? Yeah, 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 yeah. So there's that sort of weird tension happening. And maybe in that sense, you know, there's always the, because it looks like Broncos, it, it comes across eventually as a blowhard. Whereas Steve, the character played by by Bogart, yeah. is is like a more real and grounded character. Like he maybe knows that there's no going back to whatever that was. Well, that's what I like about him is that is that Bogart does step up, and I'll give you I'll give you the chance now to talk about how he steps uh-huh. up. But he does step up, but he doesn't step up in a way that resolves everything. Oh, he is a hero after no, all. No. He's sort of half learned no to be a cynic, answers, yeah. but he's also not a complete coward or cynic either. Yeah. And and so anyway, there's a great scene with with um, with Gay Don, a character played by Claire Trevor, who won an, uh, uh, an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actress for this, by the oh, way. Oh fuck, did she? I didn't. Yeah, know yeah. That. So go ahead. So well, okay, so she plays a character. She had been, I guess, like a flapper back mm-hmm. in the uh, back in the do, old do, Roaring Twenties. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So she had been like a star, mm-hmm. and she'd like been a big part of Rocco's entourage and been his, yep. you know, been his main squeeze, or yep. or at least one of his squeezes mm-hmm. for a period of time. And then uh, you know, and then the prohibition came around, you know, went away, and that took. Out, took out all the wings and the sails of all the friends and all the people that were keeping her up, and so she basically becomes an alcoholic. And so mm-hmm. this movie has Edward G. Robinson being 
fucking cruel to her yep. on many occasions, sure. particularly at this one point where he, in order to give her to get a drink, because she's a she's a raging lush. Yep. He makes her sing one of her old songs, and she's so give passionate. us the old song. She day. can't. Oh god damn, it's so fucking painful. I I put it up there with picnic and the oh whole I was Roz just going to mention scene. that yeah it's just it's that they're parallel. Like, oh the fucking oh, humiliation that you're yeah. doing here is not oh okay. it is painful to watch. Yeah. And Bogart's character again coward. What is he at this point? But he steps up. Yeah. He gives her the goddamn drink. He does what is essentially the decent thing to As do. As an alcoholic, I have to tell you, I was very moved by that scene. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Bogart. <laughs> yeah, well, there is that. There is that. But that's a concern of a later day, I think. Yeah, fair enough. So, But anyways, steps up and does the decent thing yeah. under the circum- under these horrible circumstances. Yeah. He gives her the goddamn drink she just really earned. And and so that yeah absolutely and 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 so then there's this other sort of tension which is the tension between all of them being held captive in the situation why what are they waiting for right. something with Robinson somehow making a deal and then the, the the hurricane the outside world which is like now Rocco who's who's threatening to everyone is threatened by the world and Lionel Barrymore who's great in his role you know yeah. like he he loves getting his digs in you know he's a, he's a he's a, a he's paraplegic gonna, he's, but he's, he's gonna, like yeah, he's such a ball die, buster. Sir. What are you gonna do? What do you What do you got to scare me? Right. Well, the, the calm way he uses a storm to scare Rocco shitless is also brilliant. Psychologically yeah. taught, I might this say. This movie is psychological. There's this other thing I like about it too. It's got this really interesting quality, which is you can watch this straight through, mm-hmm. just like you're watching anything, like yep. any 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 cartoon. And it's a movie, and it moves, and it's a good movie. But yep. if you really wanted to sit back mm-hmm. and masturbate to the symbolisms going on here, yep. it's pretty impressive mm-hmm. all the way around. The storm, as you say. The storm yep. is reality, or is the outside world? Like all these things that that, that that if you really wanted to make the play for, you could, but yep. you don't have to because it's just such a well constructed movie. Yeah, it, it, and it takes you some sort of sitting back and reflecting because it's so well done. Because it it's as my students like to say, it flows. Uh, it to, is on it, fleek, motherfucker. It takes a while to realize how many different parts it has. Yeah. Because it's in one location and it flows well, but yet it's 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 clearly written in like these like segments that are almost like can, little parables mm-hmm. themselves. Yeah. I think. Yeah. yeah. I, I I just I forgot how much I loved this movie. <laughs> it is a fucking tremendous true, movie. Yeah. Fantastic flick. Yeah, it's filmed in a really really um, interesting way because here you are in Florida, mm-hmm. you have the sea behind you. Mm-hmm. Um and and you have the threat of 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 the climate, mm-hmm. the hotel is not a small hotel and yet almost everything in this film past minute twenty is claustrophobic. Yes, well because everybody moves into the same room with everybody else. Yeah, you know and and, and as the, when the hostage situation sort of comes into play, yep. that becomes even more pronounced. But yeah, uh, yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And no, that, no. You know, it has that quality that you can get in a stage play that you put into a movie, which is you you work with the space. You know, like yeah. Sitting with Men and Twelve Angry Men did. Yeah, well, and what it plays off of is is in terms of emotional claustrophobia is the guilt that everyone has except really for Rocco and his gang because mm-hmm. they, they're incapable they're sociopaths they're yeah. incapable of having <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, they don't have that problem. But everyone else has misplaced guilt. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they're taking on the guilt of, of these things that don't belong to them. Right. You know? Lauren McCallby is, is, is ashamed of, of uh, Bogart's behavior. Yeah. She's expecting like this crazy hero, heroism. Bogart himself is a little bit. Lionel Barrymore finds himself responsible for some things that go on later on that we won't talk about. Yeah. You know, one thing I will say, now this is one of those sort of PC moments. Um, I love the film. I have no problem. Like no, pr- I want to underline the word problem. No problem with the film. Mm-hmm. It is slightly embarrassing, the sort of like um, 
you know, fatherly role that Lionel Barrymore takes to all the these Buana. the Indians. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We do what you say, you know, like uh, we do what you say. Trusted white man of yeah. all white men. Uh, well, I say you, you are the great white father of this area. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's a little embarrassing, yeah, but it is a little embarrassing. But it's um, no more just, embarrassing than not walking. I say. Uh, um, oh yeah, Mr. Barrymore. Yeah. Yeah. No, I. I there's something about that kind of behavior that I just kind of associate with Houston, whether or not it's in his movie. He worked a lot in that kind of yeah, well, man who would be king. I mean, that's the kind of thing I, I think... I you think know, he was fascinated by that Yeah, concept. we also... But yeah, we talk about um, the different levels. Like, I, I think, you know, how we, how we accept things from our grandfathers that we don't accept from our friends. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because and, there, and Houston's got... Yeah, got yeah and it wasn't that. full of, like, bad intent. Yeah. You know, he's a result of imperialism. I don't even think he knows it for the most part. Right, and right. so he sees it as, like, the exotic great. others he in the world. He feels great about treating them like noble savages. He, yeah, totally. Well, yeah. Noble. Well, hence the word yeah. noble. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so, I mean, it, it's kind of a, a, a little bit of a, a study of that sort of footprint of us. But not a heavy one. And I don't mean to be heavy-handed about it either because it's 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 such an enjoyable movie. Yeah. And also, I, I would say this: um, it has the the mark of the Warner Brother, like the the, mm. the the sort of well. When I see WB and that like that uh, bad shape, especially when it appears at the beginning right. of a movie and it, it, it's a small dot and then it sort of comes toward the forefront. Right. Dun, 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 uh-huh. um, I associate that with a, a kind of cornball. I think that's going to happen, and I like it. Okay, but I don't. This is what yeah, no, that's art. It's from. actually art. Yeah. It's a, it's not cornball. It's, in this it's, film. It's Hollywood. It's Hollywood and its height. Right. It's the golden age of Hollywood. What, what, what I'm saying is, it's sort of like you know, it breaks away from what I think of as as even even Dark Passage, which I love. I probably yeah. love it as much as this film. I love Dark Passage, but Dark Passage has some fucking cornball that, shit. Oh, man. That movie doesn't hold together for a moment of, of inspection. No, but it's We're okay. Talking about that. Yeah, it's no, absolutely it's, yeah, 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 a, a joy yeah. in, in any case. But this one is actually uh, art. I mean, we mentioned it in the same breath as Picnic, and I don't know that that's too far off. No. Yeah, no, I would agree with you. And again, again, I blame Houston, honestly. I blame you. I think Houston honestly just put together like... He forgot. 1948, just a, he just forgot. Just a tight <laughs> fucking movie, man. Just yeah. super tight. Like I said, there's nothing really wasted in this movie. No. The, what happens at the beginning of the movie, the very beginning of the movie comes into play near the at the end of the movie. It's well written. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, It's it, well directed. It's, it's, it's beautifully yeah. acted. Yep. I mean, what else do you need? I mean, the CGI blows, but the rest, no. <laughs> they didn't have that, so fuck you, right? Yeah, yeah. So this, so it's a tri- got everything you need. Bit of trivia, I think you can correct me if I'm wrong. No, um, uh, Bogart's boat, the Santana, uh, that was his boat. Yes, you're Bogart right. Was, no, that was, was the name ab- of his boat. But it, it's it's in the it's the Santana is in the is in Key Largo. It's the name of the boat that uh, uh, that that figures into it. Uh, I, I didn't noted. Notice it. Okay. Yeah. So he was actually using his own boat, um, and he was an avid avid. Oh, yes. And so was Bacall. That was like one of their things. It was a, all these of, great pictures of them sailing. I, this is a famous story, I want to say, back when the Rat Pack was was kind of almost pre-Dean Martin. It had like Frank Sinatra. Um, I think it was Sinatra that... Oh, no, I know what it was. Yeah, it was during 54, the Kane Mutiny. Um, after Bogart um, played Captain Quig, it was Sinatra who had like 10,000 ball bearings put on on the Santana. <laughs> <laughs> so every time he tried to roll around... <laughs> Uh, oh, Sinatra, you dick. All right. Tommy, got anything to plug? Ah, shit. Uh, just the dike. No, um, my, uh, yeah, go check it out, TomSmithComedy.com. I like to keep stuff posted on there. And mm-hmm. uh, join us on Patreon, please. We'd love to love to see you there. In fact, uh, if we don't see you there, you're not hearing this. Yeah, that's a 
I don't know why I did yep. that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what an asshole. All right. <laughs> oh, Johnny. God damn it. I halfway through my plug and realized I was being a moron. You're going to be big someday, <laughs> Tommy. <laughs> that was Rocco, see? That was the biggest. See you there later. was nobody bigger. <laughs> see you later, folks. Ciao.